This is the Philly Soccer Show. I'm KOW News Radio's Greg Orlandini, Philly Soccer Page writer Mike Cervetio, Joe Tanzi from Pro Soccer USA is our guest this week. On the line, Joe Tanzi with us uh, from Pro Soccer USA. That's 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 your outlet, correct? Yeah. Oh, see, I got got. Got it right first time. Also, you know, does that other podcast cross town with uh, with our good friend there's, Sean Brace? There's other podcasts. There are apparently. Oh. Who knew? Um, there there are other podcasts that go into misery about. <laughs> so let's what? just let, let's just jump right into it. Let's just jump right into so it. So let's talk high school basketball. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, we're two. You guys want to do that? I'm, I'm <laughs> calling you guys from the gym. We yeah, we could do before, South like, Jersey High. That's yeah. that's the new yeah. podcast, guys. South Jersey High School basketball with Joe Tanzi. We, we've officially <laughs> given up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're. <laughs> you haven't, you haven't already. <laughs> All right, Joe. So <laughs> try to get this back on track here. Uh, two games in. You know, not the biggest sample size, but a lot, a lot of stuff to pick through here. What do we know so far about the Union? Uh, that they hopefully can get better. <laughs> I, I say that hopefully, I say that kind of jokingly, but it's, it's two games in, it's a new system. It's two teams that have played CONCACAF Champions League are clearly in the upper echelon, regardless of what you want to think about Toronto FC and what they did last year. They're still, you know, they're still in that upper tier of MLS. So it was Atlanta on Sunday. So I wouldn't say to expect anything completely different. It's, it's a bad schedule. You run into, you know, teams with a bad time, and you have the, the system that it's going to take a little while to get used to. And we're seeing the growing pains in that. Maybe we didn't want the growing pains to be as much as they are right now, but that's just the reality of the situation. Um, I wouldn't put your hand on the panic button yet, but I'd slightly hover over it. Well, let's talk about the the new system a little bit. I mean, obviously the results haven't gone the team's way, um, but you know they're they're trying to institute a higher press. There there there's been a change in formation. There's there's a couple of new players in the personnel. Do you think that the? I mean, obviously there's there's still things to grow into, but do you, do you think that they're adopting fairly well in two games? I mean, I think so. I mean, you're going to hear the the players and the coaches say say that uh, as much. They're they're growing pains. They're progressing, and now you have guys that fit the system too. I mean, I saw Jimmy Montero. They had a uh, the reserve scrimmage uh, steel guys for uh, two twenty-five minute halves today. And you saw what Jamiro Montero kind of brought to the game. He's got that that on the ball, ball winning mentality, a little bit of quickness and the pace that you want in this system. So we haven't seen the complete group yet, and depending on you know, hopefully. Disciplinary committee is a little nice to Marco Fabian and, and keeps the other one game suspension. So then you have, you know, going to this home game next next Saturday with the full midfield that you want in this system, and then we can finally start judging this team off of what they're actually capable of. And I think we've seen bits and pieces of it with how they've combined up top and how the midfield is going to work and how the, the fullbacks are going to get forward. But I think these, the pieces of the puzzle – are separate from each other right now, and they're not completely together. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it looks like to me. And, and more so in the Toronto game, I mean, the offense isn't clicking. I mean, that's obvious. But more so in the Toronto game, it felt like the system 
encourages guys to get in the box, which is great because that's something the union have lacked for a while, just the ability to get numbers into the box on the attack and yeah. get them in there quickly. And it seems like this system facilitates that. But once they're there, it doesn't seem like there's anything really defined for the guys to do once they get into the box. And you, you feel like there's a lot of miscues and people maybe not quite standing at the right spot when things are going down and, and, and the finishing is not there. So, uh, I, so I, 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 isn't really a question. It's more like I'm kind of agreeing with you that uh, the systems, a work in progress and B it, it, it just, the, the offense just needs some fine, needs the fine tuning still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, look, it's, it's the same problem we've pointed to how many years now with them not being able to score goals and it being an issue you know, chance creation, there's some activity in the final third if you look at all the, the heat maps and distribution maps, but then the goals aren't there. The results aren't there. And look, it, I'm not going to lie, it hurts that CJ Safan has already scored two goals in Chicago, too. <laughs> yeah. Egg, you know, egg on their face. You know, they traded away the one guy who, you know, Curtin did say he looks sharp in preseason. Well, he looks sharp, he looks sharp in front of goal in Chicago, too. And he's got two goals, and the union has none from open play. So I think that happening on top of all the other factors just makes it completely worse, and, and the panic button being slammed. And I completely understand that perspective. And you got to show something. My, what I think out of this Atlanta game is you got to show some punch, whether it be in that final third, whether it be. You know, some promise with, with the number 10, whoever it may be, most likely Brendan Aronson. Somebody's got to show some promise with this attack that it can get the job done, and then by the time they come back to Columbus, home for the Columbus game, it can put goals in the back of that and be able to pull out, to get the result because that's exactly what the team is going to set themselves up for. They're not going to win in Atlanta, but if they set themselves up with a good performance, they come into a... a Bring two games with Columbus and Cincinnati that are winnable and get you right in the back, right back on the track. Let's let's talk about the, the strike force a little bit. I mean, you obviously you mentioned Sapong is gone and and is scoring in Chicago. Um, the, the, the the starting forwards up top for the, the first two games have been um, Fafa Pico and Corey Burke. We haven't seen Sergio Santos come into the starting lineup yet, and it seems like we're not going to see him for another month now, which is incredibly no, disappointing. What what do you think that they've been giving enough as the front two, and do they have chemistry together? I don't know if there's a big enough sample size. Yeah, to them as a, as a strike duo. Um, what I what I did like in certain stretches of the preseason at Fafa is he's playing as a striker to start, but then he's able to stretch, you know, and, and kind of act as I wouldn't say a winger, but he's able to, to bring some width to the box and then allow guys like Fabian and, and Madunyan and Bedoya to kind of get in the box and maybe create some chances that way. Um, Corey Burke, we know we know what he is. He's going to be a bulldog in the box, but he's got to finish more. I think that's just, at the end of the day, what this team needs. They need to finish more. And I don't know if it's a chemistry thing. I don't know if it's a system thing. I think it's just a matter of, it's unfortunately, they're not hitting their chances right at the start of the season. They're playing a couple of tough teams. Um, but I think the jury's still out on them as a, as a yeah. pairing, and we're going to see a lot of them with Santos being hurt. I, I think uh, I think with Burke, I think it's he, he seems like a guy that needs touches. I mean, he he needs he's not yeah. a guy that's going to kind of float for eighty minutes and 
score on his first touch. I mean, I think he's a guy. That I think needs... he did that a couple of times last year, though. So I, I think he no, has it. You know, he has. I think he prefers to have touches. Yeah, but I I, 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 I think, I think he needs to be involved. And I think he needs, you know, to be on the ball a lot more. I think they did a better job against Kansas City. I thought he was connected better. And you look at some of the passing numbers, him and um, uh, Fabian, before he got sent off, he had the best best numbers connecting with uh, with Burke. And just getting that, that, that that's, po- that's positive that like Fabian is making that final pass to a forward. Now, you know, you're not, we're not sure how, when we're going to see Fabiana get on the field because of whatever, but, <laughs> but it, it, I, you see him kind of maybe getting, getting it together a little more, though. Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of just about fine tuning the, the system at this point. You know, I think we all knew what they were up against these first three games. And look, 0 3 is going to be a bad start, but. We all kind of expected this, you know, outside of the Toronto loss, which wasn't pretty in the slightest. So I don't know if you can maybe measure this up to the expectations anybody had because it's kind of what we expected them to to work out the kinks. Yes, the the positives and and everything coming from the team during the offseason about how these these new players are going to make such an impact. Uh, We're just not seeing that yet. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to keep pointing to this. I see that that game against the crew at home being the, the real test of what the system looks like because you're going to have, as of right now, you're going to have Montero and, and Fabian in, in the lineup. You're going to have more chance creation. You're going to be able to kind of take advantage of a team. Yes, albeit a, a weekend Columbus team with three national team call-ups, but I think that's, that's going to be the measuring stick for me. Can they get it together at home instead of throwing everything to the wolves in Atlanta with possibly a homegrown player making his, his first start. Let's, let's, let's talk about Fabian just for, for a second. Cause I, I don't, I don't think we can do this without talking about the call on, on Sunday. So first of all, I'd, I'd love to get both of your opinions on, is it a red card? I see. I can see it both ways. Honestly, I, I can, I can, I understand. Well, that's that. no fun joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's not, but like, I don't have like a, an overwhelming, overwhelming, like glaring take on it. I was just like, I saw the replay. I've watched it a couple times. Look, it's unfortunate the, the way how everything played out. I could see how some people think it's malicious intent. I could see how some people think it's an accident. It's, sometimes it might just rely on how you view of the player himself. Um, but to, to further add on to that, I understand why the union aren't appealing this because you're looking at such minute details that the, the VAR is looking at. And then the big office is going to look at the same replays. And what are you really going to get out of it if the intent was already determined by the refs? You're not really going to change it unless you go and personally interview Marco Fabian. And what are you going to say? Of course he's going to say it wasn't intentional. So you're wasting the feel on it early in the season. So, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, at, at normal speed, uh, it's like, you know, Fabian's not the player that goes to ground. Yeah, you know, it was the Kansas City player, and, and he's reacting to a player going to ground at him. You know, in a challenge, and once you're in the air, I don't know how you how you're supposed to land when you when you're exactly you go up, you're, you're avoiding a challenge, or you're getting you know you're about to get whacked, and it, it's it's you know I, I, I don't. It's such a tough call for the ref to make on the field. I mean, and, it's a player protecting himself. 
in a way. And yeah, and you slow it down to you know frame by frame, it doesn't look great. But I don't think there was any intent in it. No, I don't think there was. I don't think there was malicious intent. But when you, like I said, when you, if you're reviewing the play, if you're the disciplinary committee, if you're the bar, you're going to err on the side of player safety and yeah. and call and call it a stamp or, or whatever you whatever term you want to use for it. I mean, that's just the unfortunate truth of how these things are, are judged, and the union aren't the only team that are going to end up being on the wrong side of of a bar red card decision this year. Yeah, I think I, I mean I, I think that's fair. Um, I think I've been pretty adamant with my opinion on Twitter, and I can restate it for the the podcast <laughs> listeners that don't follow me that I think it was it was total crap. I don't think it's a red card at all. I think it's a foul on Russell, and it's it's a free kick coming out. I don't think you have the ability to control how much you can put your body weight in a, a certain position while you're already midair. Right. Uh, you know, I'd love all of the people that have been responding to me on Twitter. I, I'd love to kick all you guys while you're jumping to experiment with this. <laughs> if you want to meet me at the, at the field, I'm, I'm around. Is this like the Andrew Wenger penalty challenge after the open cup? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, so let's, let's talk about Atlanta and, and Joe, you're, you're pretty much saying you don't expect to win, but think we, there could be a result coming yeah, out of Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta's, Atlanta's they, only have, like, they only have a point, right? Atlanta's only got a point, and they're not looking. They don't look good doing it, and they're not, you know. And you have the coach coming out saying, "Well, we got to manage expectations." This to a team that you know had one of the best seasons in MLS and generated so much excitement in the league. You have Frank DeBoer saying, "Well, you got to tamp that down." Here's what I'll, here's what I'll give you, and this is I guarantee you the union are going to kind of bank off this. Remember, it was the first game in Atlanta last year, before the, the catastrophe that London ended up being yeah. nine players, they kept harping on, oh, those first 20 minutes, we played so well, we mm-hmm. were confident, and um, Jim was like, yeah, Tata even, and he even complimented us on how we were playing and being aggressive. So they're going to take that little, that little ounce of a sample size, that 20 minutes, and then bank that into, hey, we can have some confidence going into this game. We played with them for, you know, however long it may be, equal strength, whether it be 11, and they're going to run with that and say, hey, new system, we have nothing to lose, embrace the underdog role, and put all the pressure on them. Yeah. Look, will it come up with three points? Probably not. We'll be a draw out of it. I mean, like I said, Atlanta, Atlanta is a team with all the pressure on them because of, you know, especially with the comments the board made, whatever, whatever happened to Champions League tonight doesn't matter. They're still under a lot of pressure to, to succeed. So, I mean, hey, it's MLS, right? Anything's possible. <laughs> well, while we're talking this new system, I, you know, I think one of the things that, that Jim has really tried to, to tell all of us in the press is that the outside backs have to provide the width in this system. I, I, I think that... Uh, Myself included, a number of people are disappointed to keep seeing Ray Gatta start on the, the right side after the trade of Keegan Rosenberry. Do you think that the, the tandem of, of him and Kai Wagner are, are providing the, the width and the, the offense that they need from the outside back so far? One, no. Two, Gatta's going in there as a placeholder. And I think we all, regardless of what overreactions you want to make, at the end of the day, that's the perspective of Robert. Olivier and Bezo was hurt in preseason, couldn't get enough minutes, and you can't throw him to the wolves like that and expect him to learn a new system right away and, and be a starter. It's that simple. That's what they're doing with Gattis. I think it, it's just a matter of time before Bezo takes over. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but at least that's 
based off of everything that I've heard in preseason, that is what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, they're like I said, it's, an, it's one of those kinks in the system that they have to continue to work on, and that is a big part of it. And who knows if Mbappe can slide in and do that when he starts? Who knows if Gattis can do it? Um, Wagner's shown it in spurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very legitimate concern to have. And I said at the beginning of the season, fullback is the biggest area of concern, and nothing's changed that yet. I, I think this is kind of damning with faint praise, but I think Wagner's been probably one of the best players of the team in the first two in the first two games and, and I I think he's equated himself to the league well and I think he's doing what they're asking of him uh but they're so imbalanced with Ray on the other side that they mm-hmm. they Ray's you know I think Ray probably had his best year as a union player last year and I think he probably maxed that out and in this new system he just doesn't it yeah, just doesn't why work why yeah and then have that eventually have that impact. Um, you know, some of the people that watched Steel last year were very high on him, so, you know, let's see what he got. All right, Joe. Uh, good having you on always. Uh, uh, please tell the listeners out there where they can read your work and find your stuff and all that. Over at prosoccerusa.com. Um, under the Philadelphia Union tab specifically, if you really want to get there. Um, and also Union Soccer Podcast, and uh, I'd be remiss to mention our, uh, we're doing an all-time union uh, bracket. We're in the second round now. A lot of people have uh, been voting on it. We're you know, asking the fans to vote on who their favorite uh, all-time union player was based off the 10th anniversary. Um, we've had some interesting results so far, um, and we're going to continue. I think our, our 316 is going to be Friday, um, and the matchups that matter next week. So yeah. if you guys want to check that out over on our socials at, at Union Soccer Pod, we're running uh, we're through the entire bracket. It's a lot of fun. All right, man. Take, take care, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Right, thanks, guys. Yep. Uh, our good friend Joe Tanzi. Uh, I'm going to be really <laughs> interested to see how his his bracket shapes up against uh, the Philly soccer page has uh, Peter Andrews. Oh, no, uh, yeah, no. That, Peter's a uh, full, full list of, of union players. That's a great ever. list that, that Peter put together. That's uh, one of the best posts that I think yeah, we've ever Peter, run. Peter does some good work. He, you know, the man, uh, the man on the scene. The man in the and I'd be remiss to mention that he uh, he drove all the way to Kansas City, Kansas, from Denver, Colorado, to cover the game last weekend. Quite a drive, quite quite a boring drive, and and annoyed Jim Curtin in the process. (laughs) Yes, he did. The podcast that's all soccer all the time. It's what's new on the soccer scene every week on the Philly Soccer Show, hosted by KYW's Greg Olandini. What was the experience like for your first home game? It's always interesting to hear from players that come over from Europe. They, they don't have it like here in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get a little more real for us tomorrow as well. Was that the coldest soccer game you've ever played in? Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> Join the thousands who hear the Philly Soccer Show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Can we, let's talk about that for a second. What? I, um, you know, I think it was an interesting question, um, and I think uh, Jim didn't appreciate being asked uh, a question that connected the end of last season to the beginning of this season, which you know I, I, has been essentially a, a what is it a five game losing streak? Yeah. Um, but I think if you watch the video of Jim answering that question, I think about halfway through that video, I think he 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 has some uh, a light bulb go on over his head where he realizes it's it's not exactly connecting last season to this season, even though that was the question. It's it's connecting ten years of Union Soccer where everybody is thirsty for not being terrible in March. 
being thirsty for wanting to win a playoff game, being thirsty for not continuing to lose the Open Cup right. final. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing. And that's the thing that we've, we've been down this road so many times that Ernie's in. Now everything's going to be different. Everything's going to work, right? You know, you know, Ernst is here, and we got Fabian, and it's a new system that's going to be flexible and exciting, and everything's going to be different this time. And, you know, and the reality is, yes, these things take take time, and they, you know, they take a little while to, to gel and solidify, but it, it's always such a tough sell because you're, you're never building off anything. Yeah. You can say, yes, they made the playoffs, but, you know, they ended up after – you know, so much promise and talks of being third in the standings kind of fell apart at the end and they back into the playoffs again mm-hmm. and then just have don't really have a showing. Lost another Open Cup. So you're, it's not like you're building off of strength. You're building off of, you know, just kind of the tattered remains of last season again. Yeah, and I I think, you know, to, to bring Peter Andrews back up, he, he had an, another good post on Philly Soccer page yesterday talking about the gulf between the fans' expectations and the, the, the union front office or, or coaching expectations. And, you know, I think Jim talks very glowingly about last year as, you know, and I, I there there are areas that you can point to last year where the team did perform well. Mm-hmm. They, they played attractive soccer a lot of the time. They had some really good wins. Um, but to, to look at last season and using it as a measuring stick still comes up disappointing for yeah. most union fans and, because and, you, you didn't win anything. You, and, you and got to the playoffs, exactly, you got the six seed, and you lost the game. Exactly, and and they do they played they they played a nice stretch of soccer and they look good doing it, but they kind of got figured out. Right. And they never really had a plan B for when that happened. And teams figured them out and we saw the results. I mean, Houston figured them out. Houston was not very good last year. Yeah. And Houston figured them out in the, in the Open Cup. I mean, again, let's make the argument, one-off game, anything can happen. Sure. NYCFC figured them out twice. Yeah. And, and and again, you're not building off of anything. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to kind of stack up kind of the, the remains of what happened last year. We're going to... You know, we we're going to try again. You know, and it's 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 such a tough sell. And I think a lot of people there's so much excitement when Fabian came in, and and you know, Kansas City game was what it was. Kansas City's a really good team. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. To to go to Jim's comments after the Kansas City game, I you know, there's almost a point where Jim's eternal optimism becomes frustrating because it's it's too optimistic. And I can look at the same things that he did in that game and see that they did good things tactically for yeah. for majority of that game, you know, basically until the red card, which really changed that game. Right. Where they were able to go into Kansas City, which is a very difficult place to play. They outpossessed Kansas City, which almost no one does. Right. That in itself, I think, is is a testament to at least they're starting to figure out how to play in this system a little bit. Yeah. I think that they probably would have liked to press a little higher up the field. They got beat out coming out of the back a couple of times, so that that's fine. And I, they were in that game. They should have been tied at halftime. Yes. I mean, Fabian misses the the penalty kick, which is a, is a great save. But you know, you're counting he's, on your 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 star player right. to make he's your penalty your top kicks. Guy. He's got, he's and got he, he missed a pretty easy chance before that too, which I think was maybe Warren Craval's best touch, <laughs> at least offensive touch in a yeah. Union shirt. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think you you understand where Curtin comes from on that level of saying like I think. We're, we're starting to get there, but it's it's also you lost two nil yeah. in Kansas City, you lost three to one at home to Toronto. I think 
everyone in the Union fan base would have taken two one nil wins or a one nil win against Toronto and a one one in right. in Kansas City and been much happier if the team played like crap and got results. And let's talk about Toronto because this is not Toronto of two years ago that ran through the league and barely broke a sweat with three of the best players that's probably ever played in this yeah. league. Well, two and a half. I mean, you could argue about Josie, but you know, Josie is is a really good player. Jervinko, uh, I think, will go down as one of the top MLS players of all time. And Michael Bradley's Michael Bradley. I mean, that's not that team anymore. They have one. And it guy. especially wasn't that team in the first game of the season where they're so banged up. They were so banged up. Josie's hurt. Like the big three's not there. Jervinko's gone to wherever he went to. You know, cash his big check. Josie's hurt, and you had one guy on that team you had to worry about, Michael Bradley, and they didn't game plan properly yeah. for him. Yeah, I mean, he scores two open goals. I think you could you can easily point to Harris Madunian and yeah. switching off and, and not tracking the run because both of those goals are the same goal. They're, they're they're a late run into the box. I mean, he starts twenty five to thirty yeah. yards out on the when the, when the ball is already in the box and just finishes up the garbage. But that's what's frustrating to me that you you have a team that's there for the taking and they. They don't beat Toronto for whatever reason. I mean, Toronto wasn't very good last year, but they yeah, still had, they still I, had the, union struggles with them. They had they still had the players, but for whatever reason, they don't beat Toronto. But this is your home opener, and Toronto's kind of there for you. Yeah, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, it was. I, I think you that, should, that's they, eminently frustrating. It is. It is very frustrating. That was a completely frustrating game to watch too. Yeah. I the referee had no control over the game. Well, I mean, was, I mean, Tor- Toronto came in and played a perfect road game. They yeah. they mucked it up. They slowed the game down. They started time wasting in the twentieth minute. All right. Um, they got their goals when they needed to. Um, and let's talk about game playing because Michael Bradley was pretty much free to do what he needed to do. Marco Fabian had three guys every time he touched the ball, three guys in his face every time he touched the ball on that in that, in that game. Yeah, he did. It, it, so the Kansas City game, it's frustrating in its own way for the red card, for the kind of the, the, the wasteful chances. There's a lot more positives in it. I think you got Corey Burke more involved, which you need your forwards more involved, which you need to, especially him. You know, the the system's interesting. There's some things I'd like to see maybe a little different. I'd like to see maybe Fafa a little deeper, just he could kind of come and get the ball or just run, use his speed running out from deep. Yeah, and kind of doing that. I don't. I would almost be interested to instead of doing the the two up top, do it as like a one one stack. Yeah, and have maybe. Either you could do either Burke or Fafa on the top of that yeah. because you know I think with Fafa you have the speed and with Burke you have a little bit more hold up play. Um, I, I don't know if that that that'll come or if that'll come naturally. Yeah, um, I think it's the two of them working out, and you know Fafa playing as a striker, which I mean he was a winger all last all last season mm-hmm. or you know season and a half he's been here. How long has it been here? Um, and we talked about it with Joe, but. They they really need to figure out the right back situation because Gaddis yeah. is not the guy for this system. Yeah, I I mean, Olivier Mbizo has made the bench for the bulk, the first two games. He did pick up a knock in the preseason, I, so he he missed the bulk of being able to to get into the system mm-hmm. in the preseason games. Throwing a guy that doesn't speak a lot of English into a, a new system with a couple of new players, maybe it takes a couple of extra weeks. But yeah, I, you know, I, I said it in when I did the player ratings for the, the Kansas City game on Philly Soccer page was, you know, if if Inviso's not ready, why is Keegan Rosenberry in Colorado? Because you know the book the book is out on Ray Gattis. We know where yeah. Ray Gattis is. 
he's 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 a good guy to have on the bench yeah. as a as a backup yeah, he, outside back. He can play both sides. He's dependable on the defensive side of things, but he doesn't offer you the offense that you no. need from this system. No, especially now when when everything's on the fullbacks to give you with. Yeah. Where before you had the fullbacks and, and a wide player where you can connect and and overlap. You don't have that anymore, and it's like you really need them to do all of that for you. And Ray, Ray just can't. He just doesn't have it. I mean, I'm not knocking the the guy game. It's just not his game, right? You know. It, it, <laughs> one of the things that I did find intriguing in the Toronto game is that they hauled him off on 65 yeah. minutes and went to three at the back with with Wagner. Um, was it Wagner? And then I guess it was uh, Elliot and, uh, and uh, Trussy. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd still you know to, to this point I'm still fascinated to see a back three of Elliot, yeah. Trusty, and McKenzie. When I, McKen- I, I, now I that McKenzie's healthy again, I, would, I mean you have three. I think those are the three best defenders on the team. Yeah, you have three really good center backs. It's not crazy. It, it's, it's not a, crazy. You know, and, and you want width from your fullbacks anyway, so why not just bake it in and yeah. make, make it you know make it happen, make him wing backs. It, you know, it's not insane. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, and and I you think know, seemingly you're, you're you have the flexibility yeah. to, to to morph into that too when you need a goal. Yeah, and you, I'd you, been curious if they went to it again if they if they had managed yeah, to, and, to keep and, all eleven and, players. And if you, you want to keep Harris out there, I think you take a little pressure off him defensively in that system because he has you know guy behind him, a guy in front of him that could co- you know guys near him that could cover more defensively for him. Yeah. The podcast that's all soccer all the time. It's what's new on the soccer scene. Every week on the Philly Soccer Show, hosted by KYW's Greg Olandini. What was the experience like for your first home game? It's always interesting to hear from players that come over from Europe. They don't have it like here in Philly. <laughs> yeah, things will get a little more real for us tomorrow as well. Was that the coldest soccer game you've ever played in? Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> Join the thousands who hear the Philly Soccer Show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Harris because I, I do think he's been he was a definite defensive liability in the, the Toronto game. Uh, Jim did make reference to it in the press conference today that you know and, and you mentioned it talking about Toronto is that they they marked Fabian out of the game for mm. for periods. When that happens, Harris needs to be on the ball and he needs to be the guy pulling the strings. They yeah. want Fabian to do it further up the field. But if if that's not available, that that's exactly why you Harris have right. Harris Medunian on the field. If he's not doing that, and he's not covering defensively, I think there there needs to be a change in the midfield. Right. You know, if if it's going to you know making a, a straight six, or if you want to do some kind of six eight combination, you you, you have guys Derek Jones and Paul yeah. and <clears throat> and now um, Montero and now Montero. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm interested to see what he does because from everything you're reading, he sounds like really what the doctor ordered. Yeah, a guy ball winner, ball winner, athletic, technical. Yeah. He sounds like what they need right yeah. now. And it's it's fun, and it sounds like he's been on the radar for a bit. But maybe that first game and, and seeing some of the liabilities, I think. Uh, I th- well, know. I think Ernst addressed that in the the presser that they gave yeah. when they signed him with that 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 was something they were working on. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it was interesting it, it, timing after it, it, the first I, game and seeing that and going, oh well, that's what they need. And oh, there's that guy. Yeah, and it gave, <laughs> I may give him a little more impetus to make yeah. it happen. And um. So I'm really curious to see, see where what how they use him where he fits in if you know if you want to maybe push Harris up a little bit and this guy could sit more as a six as a ball winner as a guy that can kind of maybe go sideline to sideline and 
cover those fullback runs and do things like that where, again, you're taking a little pressure off of Harris where, especially in the next game where you're starting, probably going to start a rookie in, at, your, at your cam, that he can kind of maybe be up the field a little higher and help out in that way. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Again, it's kind of the ebb and flow. Um, interesting. Talking with Joe, I am slightly more optimistic than him going up against Atlanta. Because <laughs> there's still Atlanta that's still 70,000 screaming yeah. people. I mean, it's, Cincinnati got a result against them, right? Yeah. It's I mean, it, it's all it's all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not asking for the moon here. I'm, I'm, I'll take a 1-1. One, one. Sure. I think everybody would take a draw. Yeah. So I, I'm a little more optimistic than maybe Joe was uh, about but it. But I, also, I also understand, like, coming from it from that angle of like, it's not a game you're expecting points from. Right. Yeah, the, you know, the pressure's off of, that, off of you, and they're, they're going to be, I mean, they got the, the squad to rotate, but, I mean, they're coming off a, a CCL match tonight, and whatever that result where is. The, where is their match tonight? I don't even know. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but still, I mean, still, you're playing midweek. Yeah. Whether you're traveling or not, it's still midweek match, and, you know, the, you get a little extra time because it's a Sunday game, but still, you know, the CCL games take a lot out of you. Um, and they played... They played well down there, even down two men. They did. They played aggressive, and, and you know they, they kept the tempo up even down two men. I mean, it, it's weird that they played better on the road, shorthanded against Atlanta, than they did at home against Atlanta, where Atlanta just came in here and kind of bulldozed them and wasn't, yeah. even, a, wasn't even a match. Well, then, I'd love to see the Union have that, that change of mentality, too, where you, know, you, you talked about it with Toronto. Toronto beat up on the Union last year, even though they were having an offseason. Atlanta came in and kind of bulldozed the Union in Philadelphia. What, what happened in Atlanta, I mean, it's, yeah, that it's, was, it's, it's, it's crazy. It I mean, it, you're not going to have something like that happen again, most, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mentality of, we should beat Toronto at home. We can go to Atlanta and get a result. It never feels like that's the mentality for the Union. They say it. But it doesn't. It doesn't really and, feel and, and, and that it's, way. It's, a lot of the times, it's the comments afterward that are, you know, after that Toronto game. And, and I'm not <laughs> saying Jim should come out and, you know, just breathe fire. And and, and the, I mean, we all watched the match. We all saw what happened. This was a team you should have beat. And talking about Toronto, and, and you know, to have him come out and just say that. Would would have been nice. You have at least have that mentality too. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's the the frustrating thing with Jim Curtin is the the eternal optimism. Yeah. You know, almost wears on you because there's not that much to be optimistic about all of the time, and it, and it's not a, a situation where I think you're going to benefit from consistently throwing your players under the bus. Right, you're not going to benefit not, from throwing management under the I'm bus. I'm not telling to be Jose Mourinho. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, where he he alienates and and fights and does all that. I mean, which I mean, he's used that. At, I mean, Jose Mourinho, when it works, it's great because he can use that as a motivational yeah. tool. But you know, when it, when it goes south, it's bad. Um, but yeah, you're right, and and, and th- I think that's part of the fan frustration because they see the game and then you hear some of the comments. And it's like, no, <laughs> yeah. that's not what I saw. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody wants it. But like, if 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 Jim got sent off at some point for for absolutely, yeah. I think he, he kind of came close against Kansas City. I think after um, uh, uh, Susie's one foul uh, that should have been off. should have been a, should have been it's a second cool. yellow on the sideline. Yeah. I think Jim right. got pretty close to it. Yeah. I, I think maybe as close as we ever seen Jim like really kind of giving it the fourth official and the right. But yeah, amen. no, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's three years overdue at this point. Yeah, I mean you're you're just kind of standing up and taking it 
you know, sticking up for your players, which yeah. is great, which, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's the source of frustration for sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, juxtapose that with kind of what we've seen as Ernst Tanner's attitude about things. I don't think he's quite as patient as Ernie Stewart was. No, I don't think so either. Um, I, I do think that, that Jim Curtin has a short leash this year. He's he's on a one-year contract. Uh, he's, you know, uh, he he was a guy that Ernst Tanner inherited when yeah. he took over uh, in the sporting director role. Um, you know, I think he's got free reign to bring in somebody if if you if he if he doesn't think that that Jim is doing the job, yeah, I mean, and just the things that he says that how frustrated he gets he watching losses, he wants to win, and that was you never felt that from Ernie because Ernie's focus was elsewhere. I think focus was on the infrastructure and on the academy and on that pipeline, which is fine. Again, we you know, we talked that nauseum about that, but I don't know how many. Toronto games this team is going to be allowed to have. Yeah. I agree, you know, I think And I, I don't know I'm not saying it's an upsider but but I just don't know how many of those kinds of results. Cuz that's 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 what I've, what have I banged on about in this, the last 3 4 years is, you know, you know, results have to matter, performances have to start mattering at some point. And everything you hear from from Ernst is they absolutely do. Mm-hmm. And you measure who you are by where you are on the standing. And he came out, those were some of his first words. You, that's how you measure success and failure is where you are on the table and what's in your trophy cabinet. And you got to think a guy that says that is not going to be thrilled with a game like that Toronto game. Yeah, I, I agree. Um you know, and it's it's such a disappointing like mentality to start the season that I think that maybe the the the, the coaching staff or, or even some of the fan base has adopted. And even talking to Joe just now is like, you know, a lot of people weren't expecting the Union to get any points out of the first three games. Good teams don't think that way. No, no. Good, good you know, I think that the Union always they, they they seem hopeful that they're going to win at home, but they don't expect to win at home. They expect to win at home against Cincinnati. They expect to win at home against Orlando. Mm-hmm. They hope to win at home against Toronto. They hope to win at home against Red Bulls or NYC. Yeah, and it is it is a really tough schedule to open up as you're playing. You're it's pl- a tough schedule when you're not a good team, though. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's what, that, what, that's what, what I mean. Jim, Jim said in the press conference. I mean, that's why those three points you dropped at, at Toronto hurt. Yeah, and at least they acknowledge that that those were three points you absolutely needed. To, to kind of just absorb what was coming, you know, and then, and then, strangely, they bury the the Santos injury, yeah, at the, at the end of the press conference. So disappointing. Um, yeah, so it, you've it, seen two cameo appearances from him. Uh, his most notable contribution to Tate is uh, completely leveling Drew Moore in the, <laughs> in the center circle against Toronto, which is fun. Which, which I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want. Seems to play dirty, but in a game that was getting scrappy and getting physical, and that the, there was you know some afters, as they would say in England, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a guy coming off the bench making his debut and and trying to put a, a physical stamp on the game, yeah, okay. not, not terrible, yeah, not a terrible idea. You know, that's not a terrible way to endear yourself to the Philly fans either. Yeah, but you know, he he came on for twenty minutes in Kansas City, 
all, all after Fabian had been sent off. Right. So it's it's a, it's a difficult you're, thing you're, to get in the in the you're, game. You're almost in damage control at that point. But I, I mean, I looked at the stats. He was three of four passing. He had yeah. five touches. And it's funny. I was going to come in today and say, well, you know, the, that strike force up top's not really working. You got Santos. He's probably up to game speed. Yeah. You know, game fitness by now. I was going to say maybe you give him a run out. He's the you know he's your big signing and. Not going to see him for a month yeah. or longer. I mean, because it might take a game or two after that to get him back yeah. up to so what, strength. What, I mean, what are your options now? I think you, you can you could bring Casper Pizbal. Are we ever going to see him? I guess so. I mean, he's <laughs> he's the other striker. I mean, you've traded CJ Sapong. Yeah, I mean, Santos is hurt. Um, he, you kind of have to he, see. He played him in now. Bethel for Bethlehem uh, on gonna, Sunday. You going to see a calm on the bench again? I don't know. Does I he guess, get a start? Yeah, I guess you know you have a calm, you know, to come off the bench you know, as a striker. I always, I almost new, forget that he's on the. He's the forgotten he's man. The, yeah, he didn't make uh, the, the eighteen in yeah, Kansas he City. Didn't make, yeah, which was interesting. He didn't make the eighteen. I guess they they were going a little more defensive, which fine. Um, but he, you figure he's going to figure in Atlanta somehow now. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, yeah. He, he probably makes the bench over Prisbalco. I guess he offers a little bit of flexibility because he can play him a couple of different ways. Right. Um, but the, yeah, I mean, if you if you again you you go with a third forward where you pull pull Ray again, he could be that third guy. I mean, it's a couple things you could do with him, but you know, yeah, um, this is what you're banking on. Yeah. Well, we're we're talking about guys not making the 18. I think a lot of people were surprised that Derek Jones didn't make the 18. Um, on opening day, he mm-hmm. does make the 18, and and then came in late in the game in Kansas City. What what, what do you make of that? I mean, I think you, you probably only have room on the bench for one defensive midfielder, right. and it seems like he's still below Warren Cravel on the depth and, chart. And now you have Montero, who's kind, kind of, of a similar thing, kind of playing in that spot. Well, that's what I said. I was I was I asked on Twitter. I was like, "Is this the end of Derek Jones yeah, with yeah, the signing yeah. of Montero?" I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, we talked to Jim about that. I mean, and we talked about Jim's optimism. He wasn't he wasn't sugarcoating what he said about Derek Jones. Yeah, he, he needs to step up and he take said, his chance. He said, this is the time. He's not a kid anymore. Yeah. He's got to kind of grab the brass ring. And, you know, Craval gets a start over him which in Kansas City, which not a huge surprise. Now you bring in Montero, who you assume is a guy you brought, you brought him into play. Do you, does Warren drop out of the 18? Probably not. No, I think Jones is the odd man out again. Again, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's how I draw it up now. Now it depends, you know, did you, maybe if Fabian was there, maybe it's a situation you could give Harris a break on the road where you could play maybe a Creval and a Jones or something like that. Mm-hmm. But now that's options gone because Fabian's out there. You're playing a rookie, probably playing a rookie in that attacking spot. So now you, you really need Harris out there to be that second distributor. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're sitting here, you're drawing it up. I don't, I don't know where he figures next week. Yeah. Well, the, the other, I mean, I guess this, this isn't an option because we've never seen it. And I'm always kind of curious, but why not play Madunian at the 10? I've suggested this for for two and a half seasons. Yeah. Is that the, the, the guy is an offensive midfielder. He's good at being a deep lying playmaker, but I think you can play him further up the field and he can connect the passes I'd closer to the box. And for, then and then you allow yourself to play Jones and Craval together for the short term. Sure, because yeah. again you're, you're, taking, you're missing Fabian for at least a game. Because again you're taking some responsibility 
on the other side of the ball off his shoulders. I mean, so. not and not that I don't want to see Brendan Aronson. I'm yeah. very interested to see Brendan Aronson make his debut. But, you know, Madunian at the 10 is an option. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it could be. Um, all right, we're just going to start to wrap it up here. Predictions. I'll say 2-0 to Atlanta. I'm going to go score draw, 1-1. One, one. Right. I'm feeling... Uh, I, I We've just, said optimism enough times that we, it's, it's, we, it's reached we, we into have, you. And I just think, again, I think, I, I, you're getting them at a pretty possible. good... You're getting them at a good spot, again, depending on what happens tonight. And just the seed that DeBoer planted, you know... How did he... Let's look at his career. Didn't, wasn't he, like, bad at two spots before he yes, got here? Yes, he was. Like, really bad. Like... Where was he in the prem? They couldn't wait to get rid of him. Well, West Brom. It was uh, yeah. They couldn't like they couldn't run him out fast enough. Yeah, and <laughs> so he gets like he comes to MLS to try to rehab his career, and he comes out. Like, we got to manage expectations. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny watching that fan base. Yeah, like, like chew on reality. Well, welcome. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which which is hilarious. Like. What do you mean we're not going to win everything all the time and be <laughs> awesome? What? Ugh. So that's hilarious. Yeah. But um, so that's fun. But <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I score draw one one totally. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it. I think that's a great result. I Sign think, me and up. I, th- I think it's. I think it's possible. Sign me up. I'm and and. They need to score from open play. Somebody, I don't care who yeah. it is. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't it, care it if it's be, an OG. I don't care if got, it's a defender coming up and scoring yeah, on the corner. You got, you got to kind of break, break that. I would see. I'd like to see more of that this year too. I think Jack Elliott had a open header from a Harris Medunian in corner that he just mm-hmm. skied over the crossbar. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't think Trusty had a goal last year. I think yeah. Elliott had two. Yeah, I'm, Mark yeah. McKenzie maybe had one. Yeah, they, could, you know, you had center backs. I mean, they're all three of them are really good athletes. They all yeah. can kind of probably get their foot or get their head around the ball in that situation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, right, we'll wrap it up. Can we talk about one thing, though? I mean, we're Which not going to talk about Arsenal beating Manchester oh, United. It was a beautiful thing, wasn't it? it was, oh, it was great. I mean, I, I don't particularly have a horse in that race, yeah. but I also really just don't like Manchester United. It, it was <laughs> nice. They haven't lost in a while, so let's talk it, about it. It was it. nice to kind of win, but really kind of handle them and, yeah. and do, do a nice... A good job doing it, and yeah. and it just kills you that you know Ramsey had such a good game and they're letting him walk, and that it, it, it just yeah, it's like it, that's the guy you want in that jersey, man. He's he's out there killing it for you, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought I thought it was, and you know, I thought it, for for you, I thought it was an entertaining game as a, it was for, really for the Arsenal game fans, and, and you know, Jacka's goal was insane. Yeah, nice, just, just a nice just swerve, on, swerve that. on that thing was. I mean, was, to, to beat David De Gea from that range right. with a shot that low. Was, yeah, that was that was very good, and I, I thought they, yeah, they took care of business. They did what they did needed to do against probably you know one of one of the hottest teams in the world, the hottest team. Yeah, on the hottest team in the world, and they they kind of knocked them. Yeah, you know, having said that, kind of just being, you know, I'd be shocked if Solskjaer doesn't get that, get that job. I mean, he's a guy who sh- he should be there. I mean, he's a United legend. He knows what it means to yeah. wear the shirt. He, he's, you know, he believes in his players. Players believe in him. I, I, you would, yeah, I mean, they've won, what, nine of ten right. since he got I, you, there. You would think he gives them, he's going to give them stability, some, all of that. So, but, um, and you look at what Arsenal's doing, kind of where they are positionally. And, and I said this going in, this was not going to be a one-year thing. They're going to need a couple windows. They're yeah. not going to spend that much, apparently, this summer. They didn't do anything 
besides get that Suarez guy from Barcelona who has barely factored in anything, yeah. which was kind of a weird move. This wasn't going to be a one year thing. They're going to need some time, but I mean they're right there and yeah. trying to get in the top four. You know, they took United scalp. They're they're in a better spot than I think a lot of people thought they would be. Yeah, I mean, there's still people complaining because you know, that's that, what people do. That's life, but <laughs> but you know they're 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 right there. While we're talking about United for a second, what what did you think of that the red uh, the the penalty kick call in the Champions League against PSG where they they went to VAR? Oh, uh, the guy turns his back. Right, right. Man, I thought that was harsh. Yeah, a little bit. And, and I just I, don't, I I can't see that as handball. I mean, if, if the guy jumps, turns backwards, and spreads his arms out, yeah, right. I think his arms are in the natural position there. To me, that's not handball. Right. It, it, it's and plus that shot was going into Rosie. Right, is that is that hand, and again you talk about is that handball? Yeah, they're yeah. changing the rule for right. handball, but they haven't changed the rule for handball. Right, is that handball at the middle of the field? And you make the point that it's kind of what they used to talk about in, in NFL on pass interference, like they wouldn't call it because the ball was uncatchable. Right, and if the shot's going, you know, fifty thousand meters into the air anyway, does it matter? Yeah, it's, it, it's like it's not a you know it's the handball didn't factor into it, so. Again, is that judgment? Is that the judgment call? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just for me, it's just like I, I watched that one. I, I watched the Fabian call. I don't know if if you're going to have VAR, I feel like you need to get more of these decisions right. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and a lot and, of this stuff is debatable. And so that's, I guess that's what everybody said. Well, VAR is going to be the you know it's going to fix everything. Yeah, it, it's been ha- terrible. Has so video far. fixed everything in the yeah. NFL? Has video fixed everything? I in, mean, and just think about in NHL. Just and going back to the Toronto game for a second. Think about how choppy that game was, mm-hmm. and Toronto was so interested in making it choppy. And right. then you you had uh, Sagafi yeah. just going to VAR, uh, taking forever that to was, make calls. It was painful. That was top ten one of the worst refereeing. Thing, and that's a, that's a feat for pro referees. That is a thing. And, and the other issue with, I'm going to go back to that game, with Michael Bradley, where uh, the, the ref showed so much deference to yeah. Michael Bradley that every play he chirped and talked and talked and talked and talked, and refs just stood there and mm-hmm. just listened to it instead of like, done, yeah. you're done, no yeah. more. You said your piece, no more. Every play, every stoppage, at you know, at some yeah. point you, you show the yellow for dissent. You, ha- you have to. Yeah. But... Whatever. <laughs> so I'm gonna wrap it up there. I want to thank Joe Tanzi for uh, from Pro Soccer USA and other outlets uh, for joining us. Always good to hear from our good friend Joe, and we will uh, catch you soon.